0: Zach Blackerby here with you and joining me in studio for the remainder of this hour. Dr. John Lucas, VCOM Interim Dean, and Dr. Jody Brewer, VCOM uh, Discipline Chair for Immunology. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing just fine. Thanks for having us this morning. Of course. Doing well. doing awesome. Well. Awesome. Really appreciate uh, you, uh, y'all's time this morning. Yeah, We were talking before we turned the microphones on just about um, VCOM students being able to get hands-on experience as far as administering the local, uh, local vaccination efforts throughout, uh, throughout East Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I kind of want to get y'all's thoughts on all of that.
1: You know, this is an exciting, exciting time for our students. They, uh, they've all come from, um, from local and surrounding areas to to become physicians and really make a change and, and help people. And, you know, the, the, uh, the pandemic has put a crimp in a lot of that. They haven't been able to get out into the communities and do the good work they want to do. And so, uh, being able to partner with uh, with East Alabama Medical Center and, and their uh, really fantastic vaccination centers uh, has allowed our faculty and, and students to get out there and, and be part of that solution. They're giving shots, they're helping conduct people through, they're helping reconstitute uh, and, and get the syringes ready. They're working with the pharmacy and nursing schools. Sure. Uh, it's been a really great collaborative effort.
0: And fingers crossed, they'll never have to have this exact experience again. Hopefully, there's not another global pandemic that heads our way uh, from your during mouth their... to God's yeah. ears. My <laughs> right, right. But I mean, th- there's a lot of parts of this that that are going to be valuable to
1: them in, in their careers. Absolutely, yeah. This this gives them the, the sort of the first uh, bit of experience, and and no doubt they're going to be talking about this for the rest of their careers. You have something like this that we haven't seen in a hundred years in the life and career of a doctor, it's gonna, it's gonna shape their careers from now till when they decide to stop practicing, you know, someday down the road. So yeah, it's hard to know exactly what it's gonna be like to be a doctor in 10 years having trained in the middle of this, but it, it's gonna be an interesting part. And they've really risen to the occasion. Our students have done a phenomenal job of keeping their spirits up and really trying to uh, to make the best of a difficult situation. So I'm very proud of them. Sure, absolutely.
0: So. The The conversations around this vaccine, and you know, it, it doesn't matter which one, I- I- any of them, there's been a lot of, I guess I'm going to call it controversy <laughs> around it. I mean, th- this is your background, Dr. Brewer. I mean, what are your thoughts on all of these conversations?
2: Well, it's not surprising when you have such a big um, situation like we've had over the last year that when the vaccines uh, started to roll out, so to speak, there was all kind of the conversations. But I think it's a very exciting time uh, for our students to really see what they've been learning in the classroom about vaccines to see it in real life. Uh, this vaccine, the, the two that have been used so far, the Pfizer and the Moderna, these right. uh, what we call RNA vaccines, they're very, very safe. Um, it's, it's the same as if we could take some instructions from this little virus and provide those instructions to the cells in our body so that they can say hey well this is how we make one of these small pieces of the virus not the whole virus so there's no way you can get infected by the virus mm-hmm. then the immune system sees that little piece of the virus and says hey that's not supposed to be here and it mounts this really powerful response against it and then if that person happens to encounter the virus down the road the immune system's already ready and it can jump on it take care of it that's the beauty of the of the vaccine approach and uh, so very safe vaccines and very exciting to see all this happen so, so rapidly.
0: So you mentioned it's a, an RNA vaccine. Is that different than, than most vaccines or I mean, what, what does that mean? Yes.
2: Yeah, so the, the RNA vaccine field has actually been developing for quite some time. OK, uh, for a long time, there were many, many challenges. Uh, just within the last few years, there were some major breakthroughs uh, in the people who were trying to develop this technology. Little ways they could tweak uh, the sequence of the RNA so that it would be more stable when it's introduced into the body, uh, and it would gi- give rise to more of the of the little piece of the virus in this case that it's trying to make. That made a big difference, and so the table was set uh, last year when all of this began to happen at the end of 2019, early 2020. Uh, for certain companies and institutions to really be in a position to capitalize on those breakthroughs, rapidly plug in the, the COVID protein that we needed to go after. Um, and so these were the first two RNA vaccines that have been approved to use in, in, in people. And these are emergency use, uh, emergency use authorizations, but nonetheless, the first time that we've used RNA vaccines in people in a big way.
0: So if this had happened a few years ago or so when when that technology wasn't readily available, would we still probably be waiting for something?
2: We would not be where we are now. Sure. We, we, we would be getting fairly close probably. There's another vaccine that's not too far um, up the river, so to speak, from us that's coming from another company that's a more traditional vaccine. Is that vac- the Johnson & Johnson one? No, the Johnson & little bit a little bit, little bit different. Because um, that's just a single dose, right? It's a single dose. It uses a different approach to get the, the instructions for the viral protein. It uses what we call a, a viral vector. It's a virus that cannot make you sick. Um, so it's a little bit different way to get the instructions in the cells, and that's okay. another field that's really blossomed in the last few years. Uh, and there's yet another company that has one of those that's been in the news as well, the AstraZeneca. It's the same mm-hmm. type of approach using a viral vector. But there's another one that's coming. Uh, there's been some early trials done with a vaccine that's actually the, the protein itself. That's a little more like what we've had in the past with things that people might be familiar with, like tetanus shots and things like that. Sure. Uh, so I don't think we'd be anywhere where we are now if it hadn't been for those breakthroughs within the last handful of years.
0: So fast forward a few months from now and maybe you know several different types of vaccines are now available. Is it the kind of situation where, I mean, from a supply standpoint, and if you want to be vaccinated, should you just take the first one that pops up or, or, or will some be better than others, do you think?
2: I think right now the, the experts who know the most about the supply lines are recommending to everyone that when you have an opportunity to get a shot, go ahead and get the shot that's available to you. Don't yeah. put it off waiting for this one or that one. The time may come as we as we learn more about this as the months and, the, and probably the next year or so goes by. That may change a bit. And it may be that they, some become more popular. Maybe they'll prove to be slightly better. Um, the RNA vaccine approach is is highly uh, flexible. We can rapidly make adjustments as these variants arise, and that's one of the big concerns we have in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, and these companies are already doing that. There are trials that will be starting soon using slightly different vaccines to try to adjust to these variants. So we'll see how it goes. It it will evolve. I think we'll get to the point where people can be vaccinated when they want to, and there may be some level of choice in that, but we'll have to see.
0: We're joined this morning by our friends from VCOM, Interim Dean Dr. Lucas and Dr. Brewer uh, with VCOM. We'll continue our conversation next. We're joined in studio this morning by Dr. Lucas and Dr. Brewer with VCOM. We're talking about uh, the local vaccination efforts and just kind of what the vaccine is. And, and I appreciate, uh, Dr. Brewer, the way he explained it to me in ways that I, I could understand it. Some of the listening audience could understand it, but I mean, it, it's still become controversial and there's been rumors that have popped up and false reports, uh, you know, about the vaccine. And I mean, what are you guys hearing? I mean, are there any things that popped up and you're like, well, that's ridiculous. That doesn't even make sense.
1: Uh, you know there's some of the tried and true ones that that come to us about um about the vaccines being rushed and uh, and not properly studied right. uh there have been ones with um sort of outlandish claims about potential side effects and uh and um strange and unusual effects about being uh about it being incorporated into your dna about um not being tested well enough and and i think what we have seen now is The emergence of enough information that's really valid in real world situations, specifically in a lot of other countries around the world. We were just talking uh, while we were on the break about um, the experience that Israel has had, which has uh, has a a national health care system that tracks all their all their population. And they've given millions of doses of this vaccine and it's virtually eliminated um any incidence of this virus and the and I think in the in the handful of people that were shown to have an infection after getting virus or after getting uh, vaccinated uh nobody had any symptoms it was just that they were you know sort of monitoring these people and they found that they were carrying it and then it was gone so nobody gets hospitalized nobody dies from this in in those countries that are really are they above. able to if they have it are they able to spread it um you know that was one of the things that has been a big question, yeah. and, uh, and the data that's been emerging most recently has shown that the rates of, of spreading are actually decreasing almost as rapidly as the, as the rates of, of actually being infected or getting sick. So, sure. so what we suspected was that, that people would be less able to spread the disease, but we couldn't prove it. We're getting to the point where we're actually getting some significant proof that that is in fact the case. That's a, and that's a big deal. It's, it's, it's a huge deal. And it, it, it's kind of what we anticipated. It's nice when when the scientists get together and say, you know, this is what we think is going to happen. And then we we back it up and say, yep, you yeah, know, it's we like we, right. we nailed it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes right. it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we think, hey, you know, this drug or this vitamin or this intervention makes a lot of sense. And it's going to – and we've seen a lot of that too. Hey, sure. shouldn't I be taking – Fill in the blank. Shouldn't I be taking high doses of vitamin D? Shouldn't I be taking vitamin C? I? And the answer is, most likely, if you take vitamin C, good for you. Uh, we don't know if, in fact, that is uh, a significant impactor of uh, people's you know, recovery rates or transmission rates or prevention of getting sick. Um, but we've got to get that data. And, and so sometimes when we, when we say this seems like a good idea, we study it. We have to follow the science on it and say, well, you know, we didn't see the results of that. And we've seen that in some of the drug controversies that came out earlier in the year around different drugs that some people thought were going to be really good and some people thought weren't. Um, and we did big trials and found that you know, the results weren't great. And so we, we modify our approach and we keep studying to find out what can work. And, and that's, that's the fun part of being, um, you know, being in science and, and being around smart people like Dr. Brewer who, <laughs> uh, who can actually help us uh, interpret a lot of this stuff. Have there been any
0: registered side effects that that have been part of this I mean when you're when you're giving a shot to you know millions of people worldwide I mean is, has there been any of those that have popped up that have been you know uh, not necessarily a common side effect but of all the side effects that's sure they're Man. the one that's more popular
2: well there's There's always the possibility with any vaccine, really, that you'll have some type of mild um, reaction to it in general and and rarely something that's that's more significant. And that's what that's what was observed with the covid vaccines early on. Um, But the data, I mean, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but the data now that we have, you know, literally millions and millions of people around the world that have been vaccinated is would be consistent with a very simple interpretation the chances of having some type of adverse reaction to one of these vaccines is far, far less than the chances that you might get severely sick if, in fact, you contract the COVID virus. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a much better, safer way to go ahead and get the vaccine than to be worried that you might be this real outlier. And the thing I'd point out at all the clinics, and this is true right over here at the clinic here locally where our students are helping out and our faculty are helping out. Sure. Um, The people are very well taken care of. When we got our shots, um, you know, I know they watch you very closely. Everyone is required to to sit still and relax for a few minutes afterwards so they can just be sure that you're good to go before you go out the door. So it's not anything reckless about it. And anywhere you get a shot, they're going to watch you very closely. They're going to start off by asking you a number of questions. They're going to find out if you've ever had an adverse reaction to a vaccine mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to deal with you accordingly then. So it's, it's something that's done very carefully. This is nothing that's being done in any type of uh, rushed or haphazard way.
1: When I was just going to say, you know, I think it's important to, to kind of distinguish between um, what you're calling an adverse reaction, right? So you know, 80% of the people who get this vaccine are going to have a sore arm. Sure. You know, but that's with every vaccine. Right. You get a tetanus shot, you get a flu shot, you're going to have a sore place where you get that. So so that's included in in some people's interpretation of what we call an adverse reaction. But what we're talking about is, you know, what's the instance of people having significant life-altering, changing adverse reactions? And the fact is that those reactions are very, very small, if any, and, and are certainly in line with every other vaccine we've ever seen. In fact, probably lower. I can tell you that from my experience with it. Um, you know, I, I got uh, the Moderna vaccine. I had a I had a sore arm for a day. My first shot uh, was a little. I was a little tired and achy for the following day, and then I was fine. And then the second shot, those things were just a little bit worse. So I had a little bit more sore of an arm. I was a little tired or a little more tired, a little more achy. I can. And tell that's been that pretty common, right? It's, it's Very common. common. The second and that's one's totally worse. normal yeah. and expected. And I tell you. Tylenol and and non-steroidal medicines like motrin and aleve they're your friend mm-hmm. uh, and that gets you through and in in two days i was i was fine again so I, yeah. people there's have been a lot i think there's been a lot of fear around oh my gosh you know what's gonna am i gonna have am i gonna be down for two three days am i not gonna be able to work am i not going to be able to function that hasn't been what i've seen enough i have a lot of friends who are physicians who've gotten the shots and, and they do very well
2: and an important thing to point out and i I share this with people quite often. It tends to make people feel a little better. When you have that sore arm after a vaccine or maybe you feel a little bit under the weather, so to speak, the next day, it's actually a really good sign. I mean, it's proof that your immune system has gotten turned on and it's doing its job. And so you have that little bit of uh, side effects of an inflammatory reaction. Your body's kind kind of feeling, hey, my immune system's going to work. So that 's not a bad thing, and not everybody feels that, but some people do, but if you do it 's actually a good sign
0: so what what is your response to somebody that would say, "Hey, the whole process of getting this vaccine through approval by the FDA and all of that saying that it was it was, it was too rushed
2: My, my feeling is there 's really just not good evidence for that okay. i mean, 'll go back to what I was talking about a few minutes ago, what really set the stage for this. Uh, to be able to to happen in a relatively short period of time over a period of months to get to where they could do significant clinical trials was the fact that there had been all of this foundation laid in recent years. Um, so it wasn't a matter of being, you know, at ground zero when all this started. Sure. That the stage was set, as I said, for things to happen quickly. And so <clears throat> as that happened, uh, the companies and the, the different government labs that were involved, they all followed standard protocol, rapidly moved through the clinical trial process, and when these big clinical trials kicked off early last summer, they involved thousands of people uh, in multiple countries, people of all ages and ethnic backgrounds. It, it was not a, a rush, kind of haphazard way of let's throw this together and force it through. And they went through the FDA scrutiny, just like the Johnson & Johnson right now is in the midst of, and they'll Mm -hmm. probably get their uh, final ruling today from the FDA. So not at all rushed. It it followed the process. It's just that what made it seem fast is so much groundwork had been laid by all the research that had been done prior to that, and that's a real blessing.
0: The two shots – do other vaccines use multiple shots?
2: Many of them do. Okay. Um, it's kind of the idea, the simple way to think about it. When when the immune system first sees that something is not supposed to be in your body and says, whoa, that's not supposed to be here and begins to fight it. Yeah. When it when it does that, then if it encounters it down the road again, it will not only be ready then, but in that second encounter, it's able to even get more revved up. It's like it's got more players ready to play. Mm. They all get to playing, and so now the team that can fight that particular thing in this case this this virus gets a little larger and it can act more quickly and in a more refined specific way, and so many shots do involve many vaccines involve more than one shot
0: awesome well gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for your time this morning anything uh, anything exciting happening at vcom as far as you know uh... Uh, getting folks even you know more prepared and you know helping helping administer shots locally and, and things like that that we want to shed some light
1: on just quickly. Uh, you know I've been very proud of our faculty. They've they've all pitched in to uh, to really kind of ready our student body to be able to be useful here. So we are we have a a very nice advanced simulation center at our school that um, that we utilize for all different kinds of healthcare training, but. We've used it to prepare our students to be able to know how to give a shot and function in those sorts of environments. Our students get that early, but we've been doing some some other preparedness. We've been working with some of the local authorities at Auburn uh, here to get um, ready to go out into the communities in some of the rural areas to be right. able to take Mobile clinics out to people that may not be able to get into some of the more populated centers, so that our folks that live out in the country, so to speak, uh, are going to have good access when the vaccines are available. So, we're kind of working with the infrastructure that we have on the state and local level to uh, to be a resource for them, because that's we we want we want to be part of the solution, and uh, and so we just want to be ready when that time comes. And I think I think that's coming. I think the vaccine we we've seen very recently in the news that that the vaccine production is being ramped up. The supplies are going to be um, really coming to, to bear very soon. Um, and so helps on the way. And we just want to be ready to go. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this morning. I learned a ton. I really, really appreciate it. That? It was our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. That
0: is Dr. John Lucas and Dr. Jody Brewer joining us this morning. Of course, our friends from Vcom. That does it for today's edition of Auburn Opelika this morning. We'll be back Monday morning at 6 o'clock. Have a fantastic day everyone and get back to work.